Hey there, welcome back to Returning to Eden. I'm really looking forward to releasing today's episode out into the world. This one is different. Just being real, this one is a little bit different. I get a little bit more raw. I share some frustrations that I normally wouldn't present to the rest of the world. And I talk about some of my experiences on the dating app world and um, being ghosted and all those things. So if you're into that kind of thing and you're totally okay with embracing me at my frustrated state of mind, please listen because it's a good one. So Roth and I go into several different topics. We uh, go into feelings of shame. We go into how women sometimes put guys in the brother category, which is interesting. You don't have to list, take a listen because I have a whole other perspective about that than he ever even thought. Um, but we also talk about like nerds versus geeks. And we talk about masculinity and how the culture has shifted it. And we talk about senses of entitlement and, and just the overall sense of wondering if we're worthy of love. So this one gets deep, it gets raw, it gets real, and it's definitely a lot more in your face than all the others that I've put out so far. But I think it's a good one. And I, I really hope that you enjoy everything that we have in store. there. Welcome back to Returning to Eden. This is a place where we talk about all things purity culture. We dive into what it looks like to honor God with our whole selves while we question the things that were spoken to us as young adults. We go into healthy boundaries as well as relationships with others as we learn to live in peace with who we are in Christ. Thank you for taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoy all the things we have in store for you. Welcome back everybody. We're going to dive into what it looks like uh, or how it's been in the dating world is inconsistent across different avenues. So, yeah. Why don't you jump back into where where you left off there? So my dating experience in the real world was there was a whole bunch of things that were happening around me that I was completely oblivious to. So I went out with a friend of mine and she was she'd done a lot of modeling. And she was much more of a woman of the world. Like she, she knew what was up. Right. So we went, we went out, we went to this bar and I'm doing the thing that I normally do, not drinking, sort of dancing, chilling by myself, whatever. And so she keeps looking at me. She's like, wow. I'm like, what? She's like, you don't see that. I'm like, see what? She's like, literally every single girl in this place keeps staring at you. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you don't see all these girls trying to flirt with you? I'm like, no. Who are these people? And let me know who they are right now. Completely oblivious. I I didn't know what to look for. I wasn't really, it was welcomed, but it wasn't being pursued. And so she taught me how to be aware of when a woman was showing interest to me. Because I had been, I didn't know how to, I didn't know what it looked like to have a woman flirt with me first. I only knew how to pursue dating from a place of lack and poverty. Wow. I, I, I didn't know what it was like to be in this brand new body and to have women be attracted to me. Usually it was arm's length. I opened my mouth to speak and they thought I was sort of funny and then friend zone. That was my whole life. I didn't know that I could even be a, an, a sexually attractive man. And so that did not correspond to my experiences at church because my experiences at church was uh, if a woman was attracted to me, 
I was at arm's length because she didn't know if I was the one. If a woman was not attracted to me, then I was, I heard, man, Raph, you're so safe. You're such a safe guy. I just feel so safe with you. You're such a good brother in Christ. And I'm like, oh, well, this woman's probably just not attracted to me because if, if you call me a brother in, in Christ, like that's, that's the least sexy thing that you could ever say to a man. Cause I'm like, brother, brother. Oh, okay, well. yeah. And just from a woman's perspective, if we've got the predator versus Prince Charming category, and then mm -hmm. we've got someone that we're actually attracted to, but we don't know how to say, Hey, I'm attracted to you. We put them in the brother category. That's not across yeah. the board, just in my own experience. If I put them in a brother category, it's because I'm attracted to them or maybe they're like younger than me. And like, I actually feel like they're like my little brother, but, but no, that's, that's what I did. I did that because I didn't know how to own up to my feelings and I didn't know how that's, to express them. We should stop doing that. Cause we need to stop doing that. I've had to apologize. It, I've had to go back and say, Hey, you remember mm -hmm. 10 years ago when I did this? I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm so sorry. So let me, let me clarify what you're saying. So Christian women are taught to be afraid of their attractions. And you believe that this is not consciously, you believe it is subconsciously communicated to be, a, to be fearful of your emotions. Do you yep. believe that it's, no, it's sort asha of ashamed. ashamed of your emotions? Do you believe it's because of the idea that, well, women are just very emotional and because women are so emotional and not very logical, that then makes you unsafe and volatile and you need to be consistently happy in the joy of the Lord. Otherwise, there's something wrong with you. And as a youth pastor, I don't know what to tell you. So I'd rather you just never have a problem. No, like, do I don't think that's, that's it. <laughs> okay, well then. I don't, I, I don't, I, I honestly don't, well, I can say, I don't think that's close to what it is. I haven't okay. quite unpacked the shame yet, but I do know that I've had to, I, it all comes down to, um, the feeling of, uh, be feeling were you, are you worthy of love mm. or are you not worthy of love? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, at least I can't say this across the board. I don't, I don't live in the land of extremes when it comes to like saying how other people feel. Um, I live in a land of extremes when it comes to how I feel. But as far as my perspective, I was taught that I wasn't worthy of love and that mm -hmm. I was going to be a burden and that I was going to be that I was told by someone very close to me that yeah. whoever I married would end up waking up one day regretting that they married me. And yeah. so it put, it put a lot of, um, it put a lot of shame around the topic of marriage and being pursued. And, and then there was also this element of like the people that I was attracted to were never attracted to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it just, it just kind of like solidified this, like, oh, you're not worthy of love. Mm -hmm, so, yeah. so then if I am attracted to someone, then I'm going to, I feel ashamed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. Now I don't feel ashamed. Now I'm just trying to like, like, come on guys. Like, <laughs> like uh, just give me a try. Just, just try. <laughs> so the, the vast majority of your dating experiences right now is online as opposed to in person. 
Yeah. Or is it 50 50 or is it like 90% online, 10% in person? No, as in 100% online, because the I only people that I've pursued, try to pursue a relationship with, uh, were not attracted to me back mm-hmm. and ended up ghosting me. And I've lost friendships and relationships over that. So I was like, forget this. I'm, I'm, I'm out of trying to pursue something in person. I'm just going to go online. So the whole online dating world, that's a whole other topic. Like I actually decided yesterday, y'all, I had like a soul. I thought I had a solid connection with someone. Okay. Let me back up. I had two dates scheduled this week, Mm -hmm. two dates with Mm -hmm. two different people and they both ghosted me. Mm-hmm. And I was very successful at hiding my crazy. So mm-hmm. I wasn't because of me that they disappeared. Mm-hmm. They just disappeared. You know, they go from, hey, sexy, hey, beautiful, hey, whatever. You know, I love your eyes. Your hair is so gorgeous. You have a great personality. Let's let's get together. I'm like, sweet. Okay. Get something scheduled. Disappear. You know, then <laughs> there's this third person who's like, seems pretty solid, like having a great conversation. And then all of a sudden, after three days of talking, decides to drop this line that I sent you in a text yesterday, Roth, because I was just laughing at it so much. It was, um, can you please touch my arm so that I can tell my friends I've been touched by an angel? And I'm like, oh my God, are you living in a basement? In your parents' basement, have you never seen the light of day? This guy, man, I promise you, this dude is either like Russian or, <laughs> or like 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 Middle Eastern, or this dude sound like he he might be from Latin America. I, I'm a Dominican, so I'm Lat, I'm Latino. So for me, that's not like something that I that my cousin would say. Like that, <laughs> like that's that doesn't really sound like your average guy from Michigan would, would really throw that well, out there. In the it, cause, cause it, it, but it was so frustrating because like we were going from a conversation about quantum physics and how you can explain biblical miracles off of quantum physics and the, how the Holy spirit moves. And then he just drops that line at Well, after like, Hey, sexy too. And I'm just like, uh-huh. Oh, we started with hey sexy, went to quantum physics, and then went over to no, 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 no. We went from quantum physics, end of conversation, day, whatever, and then new day, hey sexy, can you please touch my arm so that I can tell my friends that I've been touched by an angel? And and I'm like, "Mm, okay, after we've literally been talking about the angelic and we're talking about hosting the presence of God, you're gonna drop that line, really? He thought he was being funny. He thought you thought you he thought you was gonna lie. I promise you after he sent that he was sweating bullets. He was <laughs> nervous because that sound low-key now that actually sounds like something I would have done when I first got to Bethel. Like just the I ain't got no game. If I'm so deeply involved in quantum physics, the likelihood that I have game is quite small because 99 well, percent of women a are not biologists. So you no, know, how many women you know are are really heavily into microbiology? Because I don't know a lot. You. <laughs> I do have a degree in biology, so that is me. I am a nerd, and I'm hot, and <laughs> I don't care. Um, but I'm but I'm a special kind of nerd. That's the other thing. There's so many nerds out there that are into D and D. They're into anime, and I cannot get there. I was married to that. And those are not I, nerds, though. Those are not are nerds. No, are those they? are geeks. 
oh my gosh, there's a difference. I always yeah. put them in the same category. No. So a nerd, so Elon Musk is a nerd. A nerd is someone who's de- who's deeply involved in a useful fandom, a quantum physicist, a microbiologist, someone whose expertise or passion is useful for others. A geek is someone whose expertise is useful only unto themselves. Someone who knows all of the names of every Pokemon. Someone who is deeply inversed in all of Marvel history and lore. Someone who is passionate about Greek philosophy or uh, Vikings, Vikings, yeah, is what I was Vikings saying. or that sort of thing. It has no use to anyone. Like you can't use that. A nerd is someone who has a skill that you can use. Right. So you can be in shape like bodybuilders are actually nerds. Like okay. bodybuilders are nerds and athletes like your guy that knows all of the baseball stats. Well, that guy's actually a nerd. He just he's fit. He's he's a nerd. I like to I tell think, people that they can talk nerdy to me if they want. Get it. I like, that's a good line, Logie. Also, you. So here's a huge difference between men and women when it comes to online dating. My experience with online dating, I had a six pack. I had really good pictures taken by women, mind you. My bio and my intro, all written by women. I didn't write it. Other women wrote it for me to go, this is going to get you some dates. All that stuff written by women, right? I went... It took me like two, three weeks to get a single match. I was on Bumble, Tinder, uh, Hinge. It took me like two, three weeks to get a single match. I would get one or two matches every four or five days. Most women, when they enter these dating sites, y'all going to get 60 to 80 to 100 matches in a day, almost no matter what you look like. Yeah, here I am, 230 pounds. An and, hour into it, I've got 70 yep. 70 likes. Yeah. That's because a lot of men- And I'm not under- hiding my figure either. Yeah, right. So two two reasons for that. Number one, you have a bunch of guys that are actually attracted to you. They, they see your face, they see your personality. They're like, oh, this girl looks like, she looks really great. She looks wholesome. She's cute. Uh, I'm very okay with a bigger girl, but she seems super cool. Might enter into engagement and conversation in that. There's a bunch of guys who are literally there for sex, because they've given up on themselves. They're swiping on every single picture and they're like, well, the reality is I don't know how to talk to girls. I don't have any game. So I need to find the easy girl. So I'm going to swipe on everyone's picture to find a girl, any girl that would actually accept me because I don't have any worth. I don't have any money. I don't have any muscles. I don't have any skills. I'm just a loser. And my ex-girlfriend told me I'm a loser and I'm just trying to get someone to pay attention to my physical body going back to please rescue me from my pain please rescue me and that is not a christian thing that's a man thing that's a people thing but i would only get one match i would get one match every four or five days and the reality is that for every woman on these dating sites you have about a hundred to a thousand men for every one woman and they've done studies on this and 80% 80% of women on these dating sites are dating tw- the top 20% of the men on these dating sites. And for men, it's reverse. 
So for every woman that you like, you're competing against 10 to 100 other men. In your case, for every match that you had, every one of those 80 men are people. And every one of those guys had to compete against 80 other guys for your time of day. So what men do is we just think logical. I'm just going to swipe on everybody. And I'm just going to, instead of wasting my time and getting all this rejection, I'm just going to find which girls would actually find me attracted. I'm just going to pick the best one out of all of them. Because if I only go after the ones that I genuinely would like to have a relationship with, I'm probably going to get rejected out of all of them. But I'd rather be able to pick one girl out of five or six that said yes to me and at least at least have a sexual experience or a date or something and have something then only go after what I want and get nothing. What was going on with me is I only swiped on girls that I genuinely was attracted to. I didn't swipe just to swipe. Like if I swiped on you, because I'm like, okay, there's, there might be something here. I was very intentional with my swiping. And if it was a no, it was, just, it was a no. And if more men did that, things would tend to even out. But as a man, you pursue. And if you're a hunter, if you only want that one wildebeest, you're, you have to say no a bunch of other Sometimes you just got to eat. Um, and I'm not saying go and, and, and be sexually involved. I'm actually not saying that. That, that doesn't work out well. Um, but that didn't match up with my reality in the real world, which I was unaware of. And in the real world, when I went to a bar, a lot of women were paying attention to me, but I had no idea. But on, online, it didn't matter how hot I was or how clever I was as a guy if I was intentional dating online, I was just going to get rejected a lot for being intentional because I was too good to be true. I, I was fake. I was like a fake profile. Uh, or they just weren't attracted to me. So I had to pick, do I want to go through a bunch of rejection and be intentional? Or do I want to shotgun this thing and hopefully get lucky? And most men are going to pick to get lucky. So what happens for you for women is you keep running into the guy who wants to have sex with you and you think all oh, online dating sucks all these guys just want to have sex with me or well there's no two game. or they have no game but if they had game they wouldn't be dating online if they had game if a man has game he's got he knows how to dress well and he's got muscles he's not going to do online dating he doesn't do that his facebook profile is enough He's going to go out and he's going to talk to the girl in public, at the gym, at the bar, at the restaurant. At the church. At church. He's going to go up to the woman that he wants and says, hey, how are you? I don't know your name, but you caught my attention. I really like your energy. I like the energy around you. I want to get to know you. Let me take you out to dinner. It costs you nothing. You're going to have a great time. I'm hilarious, I swear. Let's go see what's up. Like, let's see what's going on. And he's okay if it's a no, but more often than not, especially in church, if you're a decent looking dude, it's probably going to be a yes. Yep. Unless you ask for dinner and then they freak out, but then that's them. And then they regret it. And three weeks later, they're really nice to you because they're like, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have been such a coward. And you're like, yeah, you really shouldn't have. That being said, let's get some sushi. You can order the lobster. I have a job. Let's make it happen. You know what I'm saying? So I'm laughing because I have been to singles groups. 
Mm-hmm. And the amount of men that do not have jobs is staggering. Oh yeah, no, that's the, the fact no. that that's on profiles that that's a conversation starter. Hey, I have a job. Is it is appalling to me? You know, being a career driven woman, I'm looking around going, okay, if I pick from this group of people right here, I am going to go back fifty thousand steps in my life. You know. It, oh, it's so frustrating. Like, I don't even know where to find men that are going places. You know what I mean? Chamber of Commerce, uh, small business owner meetups. Chamber of Commerce has events. You go to a Chamber of Commerce, you're going to meet a lot of men who want to start a small business. Uh, you kind of have to weed through it because it's going to be a lot of people who are doing an MLM and pretend like that's owning a business. It's not. You don't own a business. You're an employee without any of the benefits is what you are. If you're selling Herbalife online, you are an employee and you have no benefits. You're not a business owner. You are less than an employee is what I you are. I have a lot of friends that would fight you on that. But we'll yeah, just leave that there. <laughs> if you were to start a real business in about six months to a year, they're going to submit a resume to you because 99% of those people don't actually make any money. But that's a whole another conversation. Yep. And just because this is going on my podcast, ladies, I don't agree with him. Okay. But that's okay. Because if we gather together when we agree, we're going to separate when we disagree. So why not have an open forum share of ideas? Let's be wide open. Why do you believe that there are so many single Christian men that are unemployed? I, okay. We're talking about the charismatic church here. Yeah. Not, okay. not, not so much Catholicism. Baptist, Church of Christ, uh, Presbyterian, solid men, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're very into the word. They're very solid, hard workers. You've got a lot of farmers. You've got a lot of like, you've got a lot of people who have, who understand work ethic. And then there's something going on in the charismatic church that feminizes men in a certain way mm-hmm. that helps. This is from my perspective based on conversations I've had with men and other people, but there is this element of um, a loss of identity a little bit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anytime you see a man who is attractive, who is, um, knows how to dress, has a job, maybe owns a house, um, treats you kindly, that man is going to have a hundred women following him, wanting them to marry him. This is true. I now know this from personal experience, but you ain't lying. You're not lying. I, I, I didn't know, but I'll tell you why. In my experience, in the charismatic church, there is very little evidence-based theology. We are optimists, painfully so. And so in the charismatic movement, we are so miracle-driven that men believe that God is going to give you a wife. And we are waiting and praying and crying to God, when will you give me my wife? We do fasting and praying, God, when will you give me my wife? And I, to be fair, I don't think that's across the board. I think that that's something that's been caught, not intentionally taught. Because <laughs> here I've gone to like the seminary classes and I, I've heard other things spoken from the leadership, but mm-hmm, it's, a cult, mm-hmm. it's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we also believe and teach from the stage that God will provide financially for us. How many times have we heard a testimony about someone's 
mission trip expenses being donated miraculously, last minute tuition being paid, financial miracles, checks in the mail. We literally chanted in unison upon the collection of the fifth offering that day. It creates this environment that actually, it doesn't demasculate men to the feminine. That's actually not true. It demasculates men into infantilism. Oh, interesting. We become childlike because masculinity isn't safe. But little boys are celebrated. So it turns grown men into small children. Hmm. And small children are elevated to the highest level of spirituality possible. Let's just laugh at that. Ha, 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 ha. Laugh at that. If you don't get your lazy butt to work, you need, oh, I just, I can't pay my rent. I can't play this. And I just, I don't know what to do. This is the one that drove me crazy. I'm learning how to be a son by not working. If you was my boy, if you, if you was my boy and you was broke and you didn't want to get out and get a job and you was expecting me to pay all your bills to try to teach you that use my boy, my last name and the authority that back carries tells you that you're my boy what about this one i don't want to apply for the job unless i know god is giving it to me i have heard this before and it makes me so angry because even though i was a little slow on the uptake on dating realizing that an object in motion is easier to guide than an object that is freaking standing still in the desert buried 10 feet under the ground as far as my career is concerned being a very very successful in what I do and growing and maturing in what I do and joining leadership and all the things I know that you have to pursue what you want in your career you have to pursue the money if you want the money like if you want to build an empire like I do you got to get out there and you got to do it you have to apply for 500 jobs before you get an interview sometimes. And that's, it's not necessarily right now in our economy right now, we have a job shortage where we have a workforce shortage. But back when I was looking for jobs originally, like I had to grind it out and that is normal. Like you have to have a solid work ethic to get the things that you want in life. Where did we lose that? And like when we chant the checks in the mail, I, a little bit of me cringes because even though I've had checks in the mail and I, I understand like that is part of financial miracles. I also understand that jobs and better jobs is way more important. You know, you, you cannot teach a boy how to be a man. And I'm a father. I have, I have a one year old. You cannot teach a boy how to be a man via entitlement. And we keep confusing God rebuking us by doing it for us and God blessing us by enabling it, by enabling us to do it for ourselves. My job as a father is not to do everything for my son so he knows that I love him. My job as a father is to train this small human how to be a grown man because a real man does three things. I protect, I provide, and I give identity. I stand as a man. I put my body, my finances, my resources, 
between you and doom and demise. I protect you. I provide. I make sure that whether you're working or not, that we are eating, that we have electricity. I provide room and time and space for you to be a mother. I am the seed of life. I provide. And I give identity. It is my role to make sure that if you are with me, that you know exactly how beautiful you are, how important you are to me, how much I appreciate you, how much I care about you, how much I value you. You should never have to guess. And if you're guessing, that's a you problem. That is not due to the result of my efforts. That's my job. If I teach, a, if I teach my men, instead of how to protect, provide, and give identity, if I teach them how to be vulnerable, how to cry, and how to ask, I am turning them into a child, not a man. I'm taking their manhood away from them. I'm actually cursing them with forever infantilism. They're still a child. They're still a child. And so they're afraid of girls. They're afraid to take risks. And we wind up creating a culture where we celebrate demasculated men because they're so safe. We celebrate them. We put them in positions of leadership because they're so childlike. Yeah, but what about his finances? Wait a second now. What about his finances? How responsible is he with his finances? So we go rushing to the mission field sometimes for the mission field to provide for us financially and to give us a venue so that all we have to do is be as charismatic and as carefree and as ha-ha-ha as possible. That's all well and good if that's what you're called to, but the vast majority of us are not called to it. Less than 0.01% of Christians are in the mission field, called to the mission field, and out of those, half of them are men. And out of those, many of them are not single. They're going out in families. So a lot of us is like, well, I just feel like I'm called to the mission field, and I want a man who's called to the mission field. And we have a conversation with one of these Christian guys who's like, well, my passion is missions. Yeah, that's all well and good, but he can't afford it. You want to make the biggest impact in missions? Start a million-dollar company. You want to you wanna be super effective in missions? Go join the Peace Corps. Yeah, I, I don't know that I am 100% with you on this, but I do think that it poses a lot of really good questions that I want to think about because mm-hmm. um, I think it's, it's more than just finances too. I think it's like you know the tree by its fruit. Mm-hmm. so look at all of the areas of their life you know what what mm. is the fruit that's in their life and um but that's that's for a whole other whole other podcast okay this is a great place to leave off on today's episode next week we're going to dive into more about how to feel safe when you're flirting we dive into more about our culture shifts and i just want to say thank you so much for sticking with us through this episode i know it was a lot more raw and it was a lot more real than everything else i've put out there but i'm looking forward to what we have next week so don't forget to subscribe to the podcast share it with friends leave a good review if you can it helps other people find it and uh, definitely reach out and let me know what your thoughts are have a great day Thank you.